Hi, this is Moosey Dreyer, and you are listening to TV Confidential. Well, here I am at the San Bernardino Air Base. San Bernardino, that's an old Spanish word meaning beautiful country, and how soon can I get a furlough out of here? Ed Roberts, with a reminder that Marty Croft will join us later on in the hour as we pay tribute to actress Billy Hayes. We hope you'll join us for that. In the meantime, we'll begin our second hour by playing part two of a conversation that began a few weeks ago with Martha Bolton. Martha Bolton, comedy writer for Joan Rivers and Phyllis Diller, and the first and only full-time female staff writer that Bob Hope ever hired. Martha Bolton helped write Bob Hope's TV shows, personal appearances, and military appearances during the last 15 years of Bob Hope's performing career. She is also the co-author of a new book that brings you an up-close and personal look at the special connection that Bob Hope always had with our military troops and especially the fighting men and women who served our country during World War II. The name of the book is Dear Bob. Dear Bob, Bob Hope's wartime correspondence with the GIs of World War II, collection of the many letters that Bob Hope received from our soldiers during World War II, as well as Bob Hope's responses and some of Bob Hope's personal photographs. It really is like a scrapbook from Bob Hope that you can enjoy through University Press of Mississippi, as well as Amazon.com for more on Dear Bob, bobhope.org forward slash Dear Bob. More, Martha Bolton is the co-author of Dear Bob, along with Bob's daughter, Linda Hope, she's spending a few minutes of her day talking about working with Bob Hope, and, and I dare, her boss, Bob Hope, and I dare say her friend, Bob Hope. It's, it's funny, uh, we're talking about uh, some of the topics remain the same. One of my favorite lines, this is a Hope line, is, I don't know whether he stood in the chow line with the truth, but he would eat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he'd be right there with them. He'd, he'd eat what they ate, and of course, they, you know, they had other dinners as well, but he, he didn't. Hold back from eating within. Yes, yes, he called it research. <laughs> <laughs> right. What a right. What, and then it'd be in the next monologue, of course. Ab- ab- <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. But uh, we're talking about how the, reading these letters are like reading letters that they're writing to their best friend, and there was just this automatic intimacy that he that he created this connection, and. In many cases, they would say, okay, could you please say hello to my mom? Could you please say hello to my dad? And he would do it. I know. He would come home. They would hand him their mom's phone number or their, you know, wife or or whoever they were wanting him to contact. And he would come home from the long journey and he'd get on the phone and he'd just spend hours and hours just making these phone calls to their mom and letting them know that he had seen them. Pretty incredible. Very incredible. And plus, it was not uncommon for Hope to say to soldiers, if you're in Hollywood, look me up. Yes. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Come on down to Paramount. Come on down. He just was that kind of a guy and meant it. It meant it because we would see veterans coming up to him on the on the set and whatnot. Like I said, we'd you knew there was a connection, but now I understand it. He probably said that to uh, thousands of thousands of GIs, and, and they would do it. And and not only would they do it, but on the off chance they caught him when he was out of town, he left word, okay, if a if if a veteran yes. shows up, you give him the brass tour. Absolutely, absolutely. He if, things like that were just incredible. 
And there was another story where uh, a guy had walked with his company to go down and see the uh, show, and it was a 10-mile walk. And by the time they got there, there were thousands and thousands and thousands already there, so uh, they couldn't really uh, get close enough to, to hear. And, and uh, so they decided to, to you know, walk back. And word of that got to Hope, and after the show, he got into uh, a vehicle, got some of the celebrities with him. They went out, found that company on the road, walking, and stopped and put on a private show just for them for 40 minutes in the rain. And it was not uncommon for him to arrive at a military base. Okay, he'd be scheduled to do a show maybe 10 o'clock in the morning. But for one reason or another, only maybe only half the base was able to see the show. It was not uncommon for him to stay and do an encore, so that the, so that yes, the, so that it, the other soldiers could see it. Exactly, and sometimes it was against their better judgment as far as uh, trying to protect Bob, especially weather conditions and whatnot. And if he had to fly to another island because that. You know the troops on that island didn't get to see him, so can you can you make an extra show? And he'd go, yeah, sure, we could do it, and it'd be in the middle of a storm, and uh, and the you know pilot would say, well, I, you know, it's probably not really safe and whatnot. And he'd go, oh yeah, we could we could do it. <laughs> <laughs> he, he would just he told he had you know for playing a fearful character and a nervous character so many times that certainly wasn't he was fearless. Dear Bob, time capsule reveals just how important uh, Bob Hope's service was to the fighting men and women of World War II. Martha Bolton is the co-author of Dear Bob, along with Bob's daughter, Linda Hope. Dear Bob is available through University Press of Mississippi, as well as Amazon.com. For more on the book, bobhope.org forward slash Dear Bob Moore. We mentioned in our open that uh, you worked, you wrote for Hope, during roughly the last 15 years of his performing career, how did you first start working uh, for Bob Hope? Well, I had been writing comedy for Phyllis Stiller and uh, Joan Rivers and different comedians, but I wanted to uh, get into uh, script writing, and I had read this book about comedy script writing and, and from this gentleman named Gene Parrott, and we had a lot in common after reading this book. He wrote for Phyllis. I wrote for Phyllis. He roasted uh, the people at his work when he was uh, an engineer, and I roasted different businesses and churches and pastors, and uh, so that we both kind of came out of that same comedy uh, mindset. So I wrote him and just, you know, told him that and complimented his book. Didn't ask for anything, uh, but he he invited me down to see. Uh, uh, Mama's Family. He was the creative consultant on Mama's Family and had also written on the Kilbinette show. So I went down and uh, afterwards, my husband and I, we went and Gene went out to dinner and I had taken this big scrapbook and uh, <laughs> had, had him you know, go through it. And it was, uh, at the time I was writing a newspaper column, I, you know, magazine articles and then the jokes for uh, Phyllis and, and Joan and different ones. And so he was flipping through it, and he, uh, uh, he, he was so encouraging, and he said, yeah, you know, you should be writing, uh, you know, for Hollywood and, uh, you know, sitcoms and whatnot. So he suggested that I write a spec script, and at the time, my typewriter was broken, but I didn't want to waste any time, so I went down to the local library, 
and uh, for a quarter for 20 minutes went in and, and typed up two spec scripts and uh, got it to him gene and then he got it to ed simmons who was the producer and uh ed called me and uh, was impressed with the work and told me that uh, he was going to call me in the next season and pitch some show ideas well and i was so excited i, I couldn't believe it but uh, what happened in the meantime happens in hollywood a lot is the show got canceled mm-hmm. at that time it ended up coming back but at that time it got canceled so all of my hopes were dashed, and uh, so Gene, who also happened to be a writer on the side for Bob Hope, uh, then recommended me to Bob Hope and gave me uh, a topic, uh, some topics to write for. I got them to uh, him, and he got them to Bob. So now came the wait to see what Bob thought of them, and then one night, uh, uh, about 11 o'clock at night, uh, which was you know, <laughs> a warning, a warning sign yeah. that uh, what was to come. But uh, yeah, and I pick up the phone and it was Bob, and I could not believe it. I, oh my goodness! So he told me he loved my work and gave me some more topics, and uh, I just continued writing for him, and then uh, it eventually became his first woman's full-time staff writer. So. When you write for a comedian, whether you're writing for Bob Hope or whether you're, you're writing for Phyllis Diller or Joan Rivers. When you're writing for a specific comedian, it seems to me, Martha, you gotta, you got to do two things. you got to think in terms of what's funny, first and foremost, but what's funny and whether it will work for that particular comedian. Is that what you did? Or I... Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You have their voice in your head, and if it doesn't sound like them, it, then you don't send it to them mm-hmm. because... They're not gonna. They're not gonna want it because it doesn't sound like them. Uh, so if you're, you know, if it's Bob, you've got his voice. If you, uh, if, if it's for Phyllis, you've got her voice, and 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 on and on. So yeah, you have to. And um, sometimes, you know, if, if one joke, it, it's a good joke, but it, you have you need to send it to some to this other person because it sounds more like them. So yeah, you have it has to be in their voice. That is really the main thing is that it's not only a funny joke but does it work you, you don't want a joke for for a major comedian that could work for anybody else it, it, it needs to be in their voice yeah and, uh, definitely sound yeah. like them almost to where you you read it on paper and you could tell whose joke that was yeah know, it just sounds like them so much yeah a joke from mama's family may not necessarily work if, if bob hope delivered it but what did bob Hope considered to be a good joke, typically. <laughs> well, he was pretty concise, so it, it, you didn't want a joke that you had to explain too much. It 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 had to be a joke that had a pretty, uh, even if it was just in the news and you didn't, you know, nobody knew about it yet. But it should be easily explained to where the setup is easy, and then and then the punch. And he always wanted that that surprise punch, not the one that the audience is sitting there and in their head, they're they're finishing the the punchline, they're they're filling it in, because if you get if you go down that route, all you're going to get is a nod from the audience. <laughs> oh yeah, that's I knew he was going there. You want that surprise, uh, the the uh, um, the unexpected turn on the on the joke that they didn't see coming. That's that's the goal, and that was what he always would want. Um, uh, but and 
and he was in uh, volume. <laughs> he wanted he wanted a lot. Yeah. You know, so well. Uh, you know, it's important as well. Yeah, well, you, you, you mentioned volume. Uh, one of the things, you know, when you wrote for him for television as well as some of his personal appearances, the monologue for Hope, that was like the most important thing. I mean, uh, he would he, he would yeah. focus a lot. And I don't know how many jokes would be considered before he, he whittled it down to, you know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, however he did well, it, but... I'll give you an idea. There was this one show that we did that there were seven writers, and we all turned in uh, something like 2,000 jokes for that weekend. This was a weekend. (laughs) (laughs) We just had that many topics, and we would do 10, 20 jokes per topic, and it it was just, you know, uh, and then the other topics would happen in the news, and you'd get that added to it and added to it. But uh, what would happen... He would select the jokes that that he wanted in the monologue, and for the studio audience, uh, it could be a forty-five minute, fifty-minute monologue for the, for the audience, or you know, sometimes less, sometimes you know, a little more, and then that would get pared down to what you saw on television, to you know, less than like ten minutes or um, somewhere around there, sometimes more, sometimes less. But uh, so it all got pared down as you turned it in, and then. Uh, what he what would make it to the televised the uh, taped show, and then uh, what would make it to the televised after the editing and whatnot. So uh, you're pretty excited every time, you know, you saw not only what made it to the audience at NBC, but then what made it to the show on television. Martha Bolton is providing us with some insight into writing for Bob Hope. Martha Bolton, the first and only full-time female staff writer that Bob Hope ever hired. Martha is also the co-author, along with Bob Hope's daughter, Linda Hope of Dear Bob. Dear Bob, Bob Hope's wartime correspondence with the GIs of World War II. Dear Bob, a time capsule that reveals just how important Bob Hope's service was to the fighting men and women of World War II. Dear Bob is available through University Press of Mississippi as well as Amazon.com. For more on the book, bobhope.org forward slash Dear Bob Moore. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, so this particular show, you submitted like a couple thousand jokes. Now, you, you mentioned, we, we, we talked a couple of times, and Hope did things by phone. He, he very rarely would call an in-person meeting. So would you get everyone on the horn and say, okay, uh, 1 through 10, they're okay, 15 through 20, out, that, that sort of thing? Or how would he narrow it down to the ones that we would use? Well, we never knew. Uh, we would turn it in and uh, turn in the material, and each one of us did it separately, and we'd turn in our, our own material. And uh, then we didn't know until uh, till showtime what got picked. And it, that was always a closely guarded secret. <laughs> and we just had, you, had, you had to wait, and we'd stand, the writers would stand on the side of the stage. And if, if one was yours, 
and it got a good laugh, then you'd claim it. And then <laughs> if one was yours, <laughs> and maybe it didn't, then you'd just like, you know, look around and look at other things. You know? yeah. <laughs> just kind of pretend you weren't there. But, uh, yeah, so he, he was the only one. And, and the monologue would be the last thing uh, that uh, went into this, you know, as far as the planning of it. That was the la- that was up to the minute, because if, any, if something broke in the news, he wanted to be talking about it. So uh, we would be writing up to the last minute, and he'd make his selections, put it together, and you really uh, you really didn't know until he got out there. And so it was very exciting, very exciting uh, to uh, uh, be standing there and, and waiting to see uh, which ones he picked. Hope was either in his late 70s or early 80s when you first started writing for him, Linda, yet I understand in many respects Bob was just entering his prime, you know, in in his 70s and 80s. What kept him going? What kept him fresh? Well, he always, I started, uh, he 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 had just turned 80, uh, um, and he, I think what kept him, he was in his early 80s, but what kept him fresh was that he always had the young, up-and-coming talent, whoever was the hottest, they would be on the show. And he would also have the legends, and so he would mix them. He, it was never just uh, one or the other. He, he mixed them, which was a, a beautiful blend, the way he would do it. And he stayed topical. Whatever was happening in the news, that's what we would write about. And often... Uh, as as the news is, often these are topics that had never happened before <laughs> in the world. So they're fresh topics. Uh, of course, we would do, you know, the same ones as far as like the football teams that would, you know, come in and um, the uh, AP All-American football mm-hmm. team. And, and so you would al- always do those kind of jokes or uh the new, the new TV season, you'd have all of that. But then the, even that is fresh because you have new shows that you're joking about. Uh, so he just went with whatever was in the news, and that and that just naturally uh, stayed fresh. And going go back to how we started our conversation, Martha, the amazing thing about Bob Hope's relationship with the military throughout the decades, throughout the you know the various conflicts that he would entertain our, our soldiers during is that he would always especially when he performed in front of military audiences he would always talk about the things that were most important to our soldiers and that's that's how he built that connection oh absolutely he was one of them he just was one of them he knew their complaints because you know, you wonder why he knew their complaints. He was receiving all these letters. <laughs> he he knew what they wanted to talk about, and he would go out there and address it. And can you imagine being a GI that had written to Bob, and then you hear him up on stage talking about you know missing your sweetheart or missing your mom or a favorite song or, I mean he he hit them where they wanted uh, him to in right in the heart and that's where they wanted and and uh, it just was so intimate uh, that relationship and what he performed on stage was hitting right where they had uh, where their hearts were and they had communicated it to to him and Bob just zeroed in on that and uh, hit him 
where they where they were. He 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 came right to them and where their hearts and minds were. And you'll get a sense of just how intimate that connection was between Bob Hope and our soldiers when you pick up a copy of Dear Bob, Bob Hope's wartime correspondence with the GIs of World War II, a wonderful, a wonderful book. It really is like a scrapbook of Bob Hope's letters, correspondence, postcards, photographs between Bob Hope and our soldiers of World War II. Martha Bolton, along with Linda Hope, Bob Hope's daughter, are the co-authors of Dear Bob. Dear Bob available, University Press of Mississippi, as well as Amazon.com. For more on the book, bobhope.org forward slash Dear Bob More. Martha Bolton, this was a joy. I hope you'll visit us again on TV Confidential. Oh, I would love to. I absolutely would. Thank you. Marty Croft of Sid and Marty Croft Productions will join us when we come back on TV Confidential. Buying or selling a home can be one of the most stressful things we'll ever do in life. But it doesn't have to be. And no one knows better than our friends at Front Porch Realty Group. Their community of realtors serving the Northern Bay Area of California that cares about their clients as individuals first and foremost. Whether you're a first-time buyer or looking to lease or sell your property in the Bay Area, Front Porch Realty Group will help you through this important transition by providing you with the right information for your situation while lessening the pain. They also work with a network of realtors throughout California who provide the same high caliber of customer service. Call Front Porch Realty Group at 415-886-7411 for a realtor referral near you. You can also visit their website, frontporchrealtygroup.com, for more information on the services they provide, including upcoming workshops and seminars. For more information, call 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com. Front Porch Realty Group. They'll find the solution that works best for you. One more item. If you love Ella Fitzgerald, our friend Jeffrey Mark celebrates the music of the First Lady of Song every week on Jeffrey Mark Plays Ella. You can hear Jeffrey Mark Plays Ella on Megaphone and wherever else you find podcasts. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at tvconfidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay Area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.